good morning or good afternoon, wherever you may be listening. Um, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Thank you very much once again for all the continued support that you show on these episodes. I hope you have been enjoying them, even though of late, I would certainly argue there have been a lot more at my painful expense with uh, my troubles. But nevertheless, uh, we will eventually get back on track with more aviation discussion. But for now, with my life being so incredibly hectic and so much going on, I want to use the podcast as a way to document these experiences, and if you choose to take the time to listen in and come along with me, then thank you very much. Today's episode promises to be a very, oh, I don't know how to exactly describe it, whether it be funny, um, exciting, there's lots of stories, but I think I would sum it up overall as it's going to be funny for you at my expense, and hopefully it will give you a better insight into as you've seen, as per the title, what hotel quarantine is like in Australia as we are now 18 months into the pandemic. Uh, this is being recorded on Wednesday the 11th of August at 1.45am here in Adelaide, South Australia, um, which for reference again is Australia, um, as I'm currently living on UK time, so that's why you might be like, why on earth are you awake at 1.45 in the morning? It's just how I do with my work and the channels and answering emails and, and all that kind of stuff is I'm required to be up at that time, which is why living in London and the UK was so enjoyable because it allowed me to live a normal schedule, which is something that is not possible here in Australia. Nevertheless, I'm currently undertaking my hotel quarantine, which is mandatory, despite unless it doesn't matter if you're double vaccinated, not vaccinated, you're still required to be put in hotel quarantine. That will eventually change one day, but if you've been listening to previous podcasts, which I won't go into too much, you can go back and listen to them. Um, Australia is very slow with everything. So while other countries have more adequate ways of, you know, having international arrivals and arrivals in general, Australia is not very good with that. So I'm currently on day six of, I think, about 15 days because I'm meant to leave on day 15 or I have no clue, but I started on day zero. So I'm only on day six. I'm not even halfway yet. Um, God, that hurts to say, that really, really does hurt to say that I'm only on day six. Either way, um, we're on day six, just started about two hours in, um, and there's a lot to talk about. I have, well, if it's any indication, I have about 16 different forms right in front of me to detail what hotel quarantine is like and all the requirements and everything I need to do. And then also on my handy notes application, I have all little dot points of things I want to talk about and the experiences I had. Um, I'm kind of debating whether I should start this at my arrival upon Adelaide Airport because that's technically where the flight ends. Um, once again, for reference, this is being recorded live in the Discord server, my Discord server, um, so people can listen into this live if they wish. So just for reference, this is once again being recorded. I have not yet recorded at this point the review of Qatar Airways but that if you're listening to this now that will be the previous episode I'm just recording this one episode in advance so I'm trying to think to myself should I start this uh, upon arriving to Adelaide Airport and I feel like I will because that will give you the experience of dealing with the hotel and, and so forth so arriving into Adelaide I arrived into Adelaide Airport after oh, like 32 hours of travel seeming I had a very long lower layover in Doha so about 32 hours after I Actually, it would have been more. After I first set off from my flat in London, I arrived into Adelaide Airport. I was not really sure what to expect. I have never been to South Australia at all. It's one of the, the states I've not been to. In fact, I've only been to uh, Victoria, New South Wales, and Queensland. So it's quite boring, but I've had no real 
you know, wish to travel here. So, um, yeah, which for reference, once again, this is the wrong state. Um, I need to be in Victoria, but I got put to South Australia. That's something you will have heard if you listen to the podcast part one of this three-part mini-series, if you will. So arrival on to Adelaide, I wasn't sure what to expect. Um, I would argue that it mostly felt normal leaving the plane. Uh, you have the typical cabin crew that were saying goodbye to you, but definitely one of the main things I noticed was how long it took to actually be allowed off the plane. I'm guessing there was a lot of paperwork that needed to be done. Um, upon exiting, you go off this jet bridge. There was a couple of health people, and I think one of the first things, once again, I noticed was um, they were in basically, I wouldn't call it full hazmat suits, but the amount of protective equipment they had was honestly quite staggering. Now, I have just come from London Heathrow, where the cases are in their tens of thousands every single day. Um, Australia has about three, four cases, and uh, I can tell you for a complete and utter fact that the personal protective equipment that I dealt with at Heathrow, and basically anywhere, I've never seen anything like this. I've compared it to many people as an ICU ward, as in I was a patient, and everyone around me was, you know, doctors part of the ICU. And that was that was probably my first, not culture shock, but that, that shock of, uh, what? <laughs> because like I said, I've come from the UK and if I've been in the UK now, well, I was in the UK for two years and, you know, there was it was quite bad, the pandemic. We had like so many, tens and tens and tens of thousands of cases, thousands of deaths per week. And um, it certainly was never felt as bad as just arriving into Australia, especially into South Australia, where they've got like, they went into lockdown recently for three cases um, or something like, something ridiculous, like two, three cases, and they shut down the whole thing. And that was definitely my first thing. Upon arriving, we walked, as you usually do, through the, um, the airport, sort of heading towards passport control, but you do a lot of zigzagging. My very first greeting with someone from Australia was being yelled at, which was a lovely welcome, I must admit. I was yelled at along with everyone in my group because we had no idea where to go. Now, Adelaide was operating in almost like a single file, but they, I don't know how to explain it, but it was, it didn't feel like a normal arrival procedure. It felt like we were zigzagging and cutting corners and it was not very well marked. In fact, I thought we had to go straight and we had to go left, but no, the perfect way to deal with us is to scream at us. Uh, when we're right next to them to go this way. And I was like, well, that's that's very much appreciated. What a lovely, after 32 hours, the first person I come in contact with is someone screaming at us, like almost, how do I explain it? Almost as if we were school, school children carrying, uh, I don't know, let's say a, a bomb and we're running towards the teacher and the teacher's like, go that way. Or we're playing some team game and it's like, go that way. So that was my first interaction. The next step was pre-border control, which was where we had to, we got a bunch, which we got about, I think, a lot of documentation about hotel quarantine and our arrival into Australia, and we were asked to change our mask, um, wash our hands, and then we were asked if we felt fine. That whole process made me laugh personally, um, because someone took. Well, I've, I've got a story about me, but the person in front of me took his mask off, and I don't. He hadn't, and they have like caution tape, so you have to stand on a certain point. So you don't come 1.5 meters. And then he went, walked, I think, one centimeter off the caution tape. And the guy starts yelling at him, like, get back on the caution tape. And I'm just, I'm stood there absolutely exhausted with my backpack, thinking to myself, what, where have I arrived into? Is this North Korea? And people will say I over-exaggerate. But, you know, when you see that happening, you're very much like, what is going, like, where am I? You would genuinely believe we were in an apocalypse with how they were, how they were acting. I, I couldn't believe it. Um, 
so anyway he got he got screamed at, and I'm like, oh, this is going to definitely bode well for me. I've already been yelled at by some other person at the airport, and I'm sure I'm going to be yelled at now. So anyway, he got yelled at because he took a centimetre step forward, and um, long story short, wasn't one, exactly 1.5 metres away from the person. Uh, I was wearing a hat because my hair now is quite long, so I need to wear it in a hat so it doesn't get all in my eyes. And um, so I was wearing my hat, and he was like, okay, take off your mask. And I'm like, sure. And I thought I'd say, like, oh, how are you doing? And I got no response. He was as cold as like a rock um so I was like all right well this is gonna go well I took off my mask I had to take off my hat because he wanted to check my temperature and then he gave me a new mask and I put on my hat and as I was putting on my hat he's like stop stop it put on your mask first I was like you know like a three second difference we're looking at like small margins of like three seconds barely three seconds and the lad is like screaming at me to put on my mask first and I I just was laughing my absolute head off at that and I, I every single step just got funnier and more ridiculous and more of a punch in the face and um yeah so basically he gave me all the documentation gave me a new mask after yelling at me and then next was border and passport control now I arrived at like 10 well maybe like 9 45 p.m and we were the only, once again, it's like split up, seeming so we're the only international flight. Uh, there was like two people on border control. Um, one thing I immediately noticed was a lot of the people around me um, were immigrating to Australia. So they had like uh, Pakistani citizenship, um, Indian passports. I saw many uh, like English passports. Like a lot of people were, and when I, I was like overhearing what they were saying, it's like they had a, they were getting a brand new visa. There were not many Australian citizens, which is, Obviously something um, I'm going to instantly pick up, if you will. And uh, so I was, I was thinking to myself, that's very interesting because I, um, I personally didn't know that they were like accepting that, if you will. I didn't know they were offering visas to people. I thought they had shut that. that the only reason my logic and thinking is that is because they will barely even accept citizens with Australian passports. So uh, in my head, I was naturally a bit confused. I was kind of like, oh, well, that's interesting to me. I think I was in a group of about like a cluster of 30 and to my knowledge, I was the only person with an Australian passport. So it took a very, very long time to process all the people in front of me because naturally people didn't really understand what to do. It was like, oh, provide this. The amount of times I saw the people at the border control booths being told off because they weren't stand, they were standing too close. So imagine a little pod, like a square where the person, like a little booth typical border control where someone sits in the middle obviously they have the screens all around them and if you can imagine just picture yourself in the booth in front of you is the glass where the person is standing and to the right of you is like a little a little opening where they can put the documentation i saw so many people that would put the documentation right and not leave that point quick enough like they were peering around and she would yell at them and be like get back in front of me because again the germs while in all like your hazmat suit stuff and i just saw it over and over again um the one thing i guess i noticed from australia is i think i've always is australia is not very welcoming to other people um this may be controversial and like i don't, I don't really know but it's just something i've observed i think having been in the uk and i understand that it's, it's absolutely feral and disgusting and, and, you know, racism exists massively in the United Kingdom, but I think racism in Australia flies massively under the radar. In fact, I think it, it occurs a lot. Um, growing up in high school, I saw it happen all the time and it was like, but there was no real education and I was like, this is disgusting, you know? And that was something I noticed at border control. Anyone that didn't basically speak proper English was yelled at and 
pressured more into doing things and if they made one mistake were, were screamed at or the, the person's temper got really high at border control and I just thought to myself your job is meant to be understanding you know you meant these people I mean personally I was a bit confused what I had to do as well because it's different circumstances with COVID and I just thought to myself one of the main procedures is you know you need to be understanding and help these people and as an example um, someone didn't have a pen and all you could hear going was oh why don't you have a pen oh oh just like there's no need for that you know I don't personally think there's any need for that so I was interested to see how I'd be treated when I finally got called up to border control and I thought I would be nice I'd be like good evening how are you doing no response she was like passport passport and landing card I was like all right gave it to her and I made sure to quickly jump back to where I needed to stand hoping to do a smooth process she looked at me and she was like remove the mask put the mask sorry not remove the mask move the mask so I can see your face so I moved it down because once again I didn't want to be told off for taking off my mask you know because that's what happened last time so I moved it down to like under my chin so she could see on my face and she's like no take it off I'm like but I just got told not to take it off and I got yelled at for having it off for more than three seconds so off it came she checked all my information she looked at me stared at me for like five seconds and then uh was like all right and gave me my papers back and i'm like do i just go through and she's like mm. so oh all right fair enough so i went through next was baggage claim this is the next process our bags were just waiting on the the conveyor belt so i just had to go and look for them got my bags then made it to uh well then there was another security screening point but i didn't have anything to declare in fact i was like one of the only people that had nothing to declare upon arrival so the woman that was there was just like, where have you been? UK. And she's was, was like, how long? And I'm like, over two years. And she's like, all right, go through. And uh, one of the main things, I've, I've said this to my parents and stuff, one of the main things I felt like from this entire experience is because I was away from Australia during COVID, I'm not Australian anymore. And uh, again, once people will say that's an over-exaggeration, but it isn't because a lot of the questions I had to answer and the papers I had to fill in basically implied that just because I was not in Australia during the heat of the pandemic, which I'd argue is now seeming what? New South Wales has like how many cases? 200 and God knows how many. Um, 300 or something. So I just, but a lot of the questions were like, oh, where have you been? UK. Where have you lived? UK. Uh, where? What would you class your home residence for the past year? UK. And I was like, oh, well, at what point are you going to like confirm to me that I'm actually Australian? Do you know what I mean? Um so that's really the main and personally and then there was another question of like do you actually how long do you plan on staying in australia type of thing and um I, i'm not i'm not staying in australia permanently like i'm looking to leave again to go and study when the times like i'm either in in six months or or like 11 months type of thing uh, i'm just sort of staying here to recuperate get some more money and then head right back off to the uk um providing all that goes well and and it was just like oh all right yeah <laughs> So anyway, now we've got our bags. Uh, we come through those typical international arrival doors. I'm greeted by absolute fanfare. No, I'm kidding. I'm greeted with three policemen that are like guarding the arrival hall with their guns, just like looking around and like scaring. I'm like, oh, well, if I wanted to do a runner, I don't know how I would. See, I mean, I've got three kilo three bags weighing 45 kilos. So I'm not sure how I'm going to run away, but I get it. I do get it. The airport was deserted. And then the next port of call was to go to the coach. Now, I just wanted to make mention, at this point, I had no clue what hotel I was going to. Like, I had no idea what was going on. So I dropped my... He was just... Uh, I think, to be fair, though, the guy was quite nice who told me to drop my bags. He was like, I'll just drop your bags here. They'll be thrown on. Just get on the coach. So I got on the coach. Um, 
it was it was not no one was really social distanced we we're all like sitting next to each other which i thought was very interesting because you'll i'll hear it out in a second um so we weren't socially distanced on the coach and then oh it was about a 10 15 minute drive to the hotel and the nerve the absolute nerve so no one on this coach wants to be on the coach because no who wants to actually seriously email me if you actually want to conduct do hotel quarantine once again i thought i'd mention it costs three thousand dollars so if you actually want to sit for 15 days in hotel quarantine please email me because you can take my spot (laughs) Anyway, no one wants to do it. It's it's hell on earth. It's like no no window that actually opens properly. No food is terrible. Um, there's all these rules and regulations of you can't do this at this time. And obviously, you're not allowed to open your door unless for extreme circumstances. You have to stay behind a caution tape. It's literally like a prison. So I, no one wanted to be here. And we're on the bus, and and then I hear like the microphone start up, and I'm like to myself, okay, this means theoretically we should get some, you know really 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 good um information about the hotel and like you know our stay no they had the nerve to give us a informative guide and tour of the city of adelaide at 10 30 p.m 10 30 p.m we're all knackered no one wants to be here i mean personally adelaide's cool and all but i really don't care because i don't like i said i don't want to be here and um he was just like, oh, and this road is this road, and this road means this. And I was like, really? Ah, oh, the nerve to be giving us some tour. I mean, I'm sure some people appreciate it. Like I said, I was the only person, I think, with an Australian passport, meaning I think I was the only person that was a citizen. Um, so maybe the other people loved it, but I was just like, oh, my God. Anyway, like I said, we weren't socially distanced. Upon arriving to the hotel, um, we were told that we'd be processed one and two at a time for socially distanced, for social, for how do I say it? For socially distancing measures. Now, if you're listening to this, I want you to think about what I've been saying for the past two minutes and think the inconsistencies with what's been going on. Okay, can you potentially point it out in your head? I'll give you five seconds. So basically, um, we weren't socially distanced on the bus and then they were like, to, to maintain socially distanced measures in this country, we're going to process you one and two at a time while we're all crammed on a bus like sardines with no air ventilation. Um, so at that point, I scour the bus and I make a, a realisation. I'm back of the bus, right back of the bus. And I'm like, oh, if we're processing one at a time, one and two at a time, and just to give uh, some reference, it's one of those buses that's like uh, a big bun, that you'd, like a typical coach, if you will for like long journey so I'm right at the back and I'm just like to myself oh I'm going to be sitting here for like an hour this is going to be fun and I was sitting there for an hour by the time I finally got off the coach for the socially distanced arrivals into the hotel when we're not socially distanced at border control on the bus at baggage claim at anything like that um I saw the many people walking past I got a few middle fingers which was a lovely welcome from the people walking past on the street that was nice I must admit I just couldn't help but laugh. I was like, this is so typical. Also, we got a police escort. Obviously, I'm a huge celebrity, so I know why they had to give me a police escort. It makes perfect sense. Um, and we got, like, controlled in. It was, like, a lovely... The, the police were guarding me upon my arrival. I, I just felt, like, absolute royalty. No, it was actually really, like, not nice to have the police basically surrounding the bus. It's like, oh, my God. What am I going to do? I'm going to do a runner and leave all my baggage behind and have no clothes or anything like that. Um... 
Yeah, so anyway, it was quite weird. Also, they put gates around the bus just to make it even worse. They put, like, gates... Uh, like, a, they basically secured a perimeter with gates, like, event gates that you have. Um, and I was kind of like, oh, Jesus. I finally got off the... Um, the bus and my three bags are waiting there now i have very very heavy luggage i am once again to reiterate moving back from a country i've been in for over two years i've thrown out half my belongings just for some reference and i still had a lot of stuff um because i have a huge setup you know what i mean i have lots of keyboards i have microphones i have quite a lot of stuff um and you know I, I mean, I think it's fair to say that I wanted a trolley. I've been traveling and on the go now for maybe like 34 hours. So I think one of the main things I was like, oh, can I just have a, um, a trolley? Do you know what I mean? Uh, there were, there are a lot of like those porters that help you. And I was like, okay, well, whatever we're doing, I don't want to carry, forgive me, forgive me, right? I don't want to carry three pieces of luggage. Actually, is it three or four? No, technically four pieces of luggage, all probably equating to like 48 kilos, including my uh, backpack and hand luggage and stuff. I think that's very fair. So I was like, uh, I saw the trolleys with waiting, like the, the porter trolleys. And I was kind of like, could I please have one of these? Um, and, and what was the response I got? Well, I will say it's not a positive one. Uh, and it, it definitely wasn't one, um, I expected either. I was basically told you're a guy man up and take the bags yourself. You don't need a, uh, a push thing, a trolley thing, one of the porters in the hotel. I was like, what? I sort of took a double take. I was like, what? Okay. Just give me two seconds. Apologies for that. Like I said, um, I was very, very much wanting to, you know, take my bags and just have a nice relaxed entry. But no, I got told to man up because I was a guy and, uh, yeah, not have help with my 45 kilo plus baggage. So then there's me, like, fumbling everything, my bag's falling to the ground, I'm exhausted, and then finally some woman comes to help me, and I just gave, I gave the guy a dirty look. I'm like, are you serious? All the while, there was a couple in front of me with two bags, and they got a trolley. What? I was just like, oh, this is going fabulous. Anyway, the check-in procedure was once again done by police. Um, I had like a little a little envelope with which had more documentation. Um, I had to like provide my name. Then I had to go to the police. The police had to check me into the hotel. Then thankfully someone helped me bring my bags up to my room because I'm on the ninth floor, so it was quite a long way up in the elevator. Um, there's all I don't know how to explain it, but the floors on the hotel are not how they typically are. I could probably get a picture for you at some point, and I'll put it on my social medias. But they're they're, they're all, they all have all, like, basically cling film wrap on the floor. One, it's to, so they can come every hour and disinfect the floor, but we're not allowed to walk on it, mind you. Disinfect the floor, and then also they need to, I think they do it so uh, they can hear and sort of thing if, if someone's trying to leave quarantine, because believe it or not, they're very scared that we're going to leave and try and escape, which is weird, but, you know, it is what it is. I mean, I'm, I'll, I'll try and jump out my window nine floors up. Mind you, my window barely opens a fingernail, just for some, just for some reference on how bad it is. Um, yeah, there's not, I don't get any fresh air in this room. So, upon arriving, I basically spent all night up reading my documentation, which is something I do want to read for you all now. It's something that I... Th I think you'll find very, very interesting. And, and I already read this to the people in my Discord server, but if you're listening to this podcast now, you may not have heard it. So, 
Should we go through? I'll try and find some of the funnier points. Um, so, here we go. At no time during your isolation are you to leave your accommodation room. When opening your door, a mask must be worn at all times. For your convenience, spare masks are located within your room. Please remember you must only open your door to retrieve deliveries at least 30 seconds after a knock or put items out for collection. So in that 30 seconds, I've seen this happen. In the 30 seconds this takes place, the people drop your food and run. I've seen it. I've seen it through my peephole. They run to the lift. Um, a small table has been placed at the entry of your door as per the South Australian health requirements. This outside, this table is to be used by my team for all deliveries where possible. The table must remain outside your door at all times. Uh, at no time are any items excluding rubbish and used linen allowed to leave your room. This includes parcels, paperwork, used crockery, cutlery, glassware, luggage. But guess what? There's not enough cutlery to actually eat. So I'm washing it in a... I'll get onto it, but I'm washing it in my bathroom sink with not proper detergent because they don't provide the correct cleaning equipment. Um, uh, staff have been instructed not to enter your room unless absolutely necessary, as such all communications will be done by knocking on your door or via the phone. If a st This is a funny one. If a staff member is at your door, please do not be alarmed if they distance themselves from you. This is for both your and their well-being. Tape lines have been added to the floor within your doorway as a guide for where for where I need to stand when interacting. So I've got to stand on some tape thing like a meter back from where they are. And then they are literally like, as I take my mask off, they invite me to take one step forward. And if I take any more than one step forward, they push me back. I'm like, mate, I hate to break it to you, but you can do all this, but I'm either going to have COVID and I'm not. You're either going to get it or you're not in your hazmat suit. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's all utterly ridiculous. Um... What else? This is the important section. There's many, many, many more. Uh, oh, don't forget, please note restrictions on alcohol consumption do apply in South Australia, that being six bottles of beer per day. Don't forget the amount of beer I receive. Now, I'm someone that doesn't drink beer. I don't drink alcohol. I don't do that. I've received, at times, more beer than water. More beer than water. I mean, come on. Eh, ridiculous. That, that's how you know you're in Australia. Deliveries are more than welcome and once received by the hotel will be delivered to your room as soon as possible. Well, I have something to say on that. Uh, there's television, which is decent. There's not many channels, but I have enjoyed just throwing the television on. Food services. So, uh, there's breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but for the first three days, and I still to this day get sick when I eat the food because it's not very nice. The best way I can describe it is it's basically like airplane food, if you will. Even though it's done in the kitchen, it, it basically looks and tastes like airplane food. And if anything, airplane food is nicer than the food I've been getting. Um, or cheap takeaways, basically. Consistently, after each meal, I've had excruciating stomach pains. One point, I nearly felt like I was going to pass out from how bad I felt after the meal. So, I'm in a position, and also I'm someone with a peanut allergy. So, half my meals are reduced in size because they can't give me the desserts because I have a peanut allergy, so they're just like, yeah, never mind. They don't even replace it. They just don't give me a dessert. <laughs> um, so naturally, if I can't even eat the dinner, then I can't eat the dessert because they don't give it to me. Um, yeah, and also the meals have just been incredibly weird. The breakfasts have been nice. I had a croissant this morning, which to credit was really, really yummy. But otherwise, the lunch was disgusting. I couldn't eat it. 
then I've had dinners and felt sick. So basically, my only only alternative is to go with Uber Eats and waste all, and spend so much money on delivering food. But you know, it's my only choice. A lot of people, as they've described, some people get really nice with where they're going to be staying, and other people get the dirty end of the stick. And I've definitely got the dirty end of the stick with my food. Um, I, I, I was I'm in a Facebook group where everyone talks about the hotel they're in for quarantine, and uh, everyone has ranted and raved about this particular hotel that I'm not in and then I didn't get in the nice one. I was like, great. Um, they've even got balconies and stuff so they can open their door and get fresh air into their room. The most fresh air I get is turning my aircon on to like 20 degrees and getting cold air in my in my uh, hotel room. Because like I said, I do have a window but it opens about a fingernail which unfortunately newsflash does nothing. You could stand there and I, you would not feel a breeze unless there's a hurricane outside or something like that. So yeah, I'm having to order through Uber Eats, which I just wanted to mention, uh, based on the thing of they will deliver everything as soon as possible. They will deliver everything as soon as possible, unless the staff forget, which has happened twice now. One day I I ordered Subway, which is basically a staple thing I've been getting, because I don't want to eat McDonald's. Um, I ate it once and I felt sick, because I'm not a fan of McDonald's, to be honest, especially Australian McDonald's. As weird as that sounds, it doesn't taste very good. So I've been going with like subways and just getting uh, like a sub sort of thing. Um, personally, I was having a meatball one. So anyway, I ordered this at like 2.30 in the morning because like I said, I sleep different hours. And um, it said it had delivered 40 minutes ago to the hotel. Uh, and I was like, well, there's been no knock at my door and there's no food at my door. So I call up reception I'm like, hi, do you have any deliveries from Uber Eats? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I forgot. So, had I not rung up, I never would have got my food, because they completely forgot to give me my food. (laughs) Like, come on! And mind you, this is usually at a point where there's like only one person in, um, in reception. It's just like, really? Really? Um, I got one question here from the Discord server of how small is my room? My room has, I believe, two double beds. It has two double beds. There's a desk. A desk that's very long, but not very wide. Um, just enough to fit a MacBook and a keyboard, which at the end of the day is, is fine. I'm more than happy with the desk. It gives me enough space to at least work with like my microphone. There's a bathroom uh, with your typical bath, shower, a small toilet, and a small sink. And then I have... Um, yeah, so I mean, it's a decent size, to be completely honest. I definitely would not complain about the size, but obviously... You know, I've seen people that have had apartments where they've got a kitchen and they can order in food and cook their own meals, which for someone that's working on UK time and living like on American and, and UK time, it'd be very that'd be very handy for me. And also someone that has a peanut allergy and they'll therefore misses out, pardon me, on a large number of the of the orders. Um, yeah. It would have been great to have a hotel, like a kitchen, pardon me, not a hotel, to have a kitchen to, to cook my meals. As someone who loves cooking, because I have Italian heritage, so I do very, very much enjoy my cooking. Um, so yeah, they basically just forgot my Uber Eats uh, order downstairs. They forgot to bring it up to me, and then I ordered it yesterday as well. Uh, it took 35 minutes, and uh, yeah, I just assumed they forgot again, because I had it once, and it took literally three minutes. So yeah, pretty annoying, but it is what it is. There's nothing, unfortunately, I can do about it. Um, I'm going to have to order some food actually somewhat soon. Um, so, 
If anyone has any suggestions in the Discord server, they're more than welcome to drop them, and I will have a look after my recording session, and let's hope that food doesn't get forgotten downstairs. Let me just go through um, more of the the quarantine sheet that I have, which you can hear me playing with now. We'll get on to, uh, let's see, housekeeping and general linen supplies. So I thought I would uh, just let you know, this: the hotel doesn't offer any type of washing. They don't allow you to wash your clothes. Um, well, I lie. <laughs> there is definitely a very, very good way to wash your clothes, which I was doing yesterday, if you follow me on Twitter. But there's no sort of washing anywhere you can do. They also don't provide any washing detergent to clean your clothes. They provide washing detergent to clean uh, plates, but not um, for clothes, which is pretty annoying because, yes, I'm, I'm letting, um, like, sitting here, but, you know, I would like to wash my underwear type of thing and, and that sort of thing. I would like to wash the tops I sleep in because, personally, I don't know about you, but I don't want to sleep in the same sort of shorts and top for 14 days. It just doesn't sound very fun to me. Uh, but there's no way to, unfortunately, do that, and it's not like if you're travelling somewhere and you can, do you know what I mean, in the sense of go five metres down the road and, and go to some cleaning service and, and, and use one of the washing machines there. No, that's not possible here. So that's quite frustrating. Uh, there's no room makeups. Um, but I but what I did with my... And honestly, it was a big mistake because it didn't make a difference and they still stink. Uh, stink. Well, they actually stink even worse. They didn't stink to begin with. I just wanted fresh clothes, but now they stink. Um, I had to wash my clothes in the bathroom sink because I had no other sort of... Yeah, I had absolutely no other wait where to do it and it's just like I felt absolutely ridiculous um absolutely ridiculous doing that <laughs> felt really really wrong um and I just checked on them and I was like they didn't clean at all I knew they wouldn't gonna they were never gonna clean but that's quite frustrating um every Tuesday and Friday the hotel will provide a full linen pack for you to change your room linen I don't know about you but there's no way I can make a bed as good as a hotel bed um and then, like everything here, it's literally like, oh, you have to put your linen out at 10.45 for 11 a.m. collection for a 2 p.m. pickup, and then you have to pick it up at 2.10, and if you don't pick it up at 2.10 p.m., they'll take the linen away. If you want to drop your rubbish, you can only drop your rubbish at this time of the day. If you drop it at any other point, they'll call you to bring it inside because the bag will have COVID on it. Do you know, when I arrived, I needed to drop rubbish because it was stinking my hotel out. Um, oh, speaking of, you've got to have like six COVID tests while in hotel quarantine. I've had two so far and I've passed both of them for anyone that's curious. So I don't have COVID. Um, I needed to put my rubbish out because it was stinking out my room. And once again, they don't provide you with like spray. They don't provide you with any nice room spray to freshen up your room. There's none of that unless you want to pay $8 and then a $5 surcharge fee. So someone downstairs in the lobby can go and walk. 50 metres down the road to pick it up at a supermarket. Yes. Believe me or not when I say that. And then that gets just added to your bill when you uh, when you finish and check out of $3,000. Are you starting to notice a theme of how the $3,000 doesn't really seem worth it? Um, it it's such a mess. Um, it's, such a, it's such a complete mess. Um, so, yeah. They... They and then they don't process some sort of uh, my particular hotel is way way strict with when it comes to trying to welcome trying to get different orders um, they only like if you need some sort of appliance it has to be some it has to be like how do I explain it delivered to the lobby and then the lobby has to check it that it's adequate and then it's funny right 
because they have a couple of microwaves in the hotel which are going around to different rooms like if you need a microwave and um they just get transferred from room to room and i think to myself like what haven't isn't aren't you trying to be so covid secure and then you're just giving around constant um microwaves but then like as an example i have to stand behind a caution tape it just seems all a bit weird um so yeah personally i would rather eat hotel food because like i said food is very very expensive in australia to start buying stuff there's nowhere for me to cook um the microwaves are in very short supply and there are none available uh so i could get ready-made meals but then they're very very expensive and then and i live on uk time and sort of thing and for some reason some genius decided to put the mini fridge and have half of it occupied with some sort of uh freezer uh sorry ice creator ice box creator thing that is not you're not able to detach from it so half the fridge is like empty i mean uh, sorry half the fridge has something there and i'm like well i can barely store anything there on top of that uh like i said there's delivery charges uh what, what, what else maintenance maintenance staff are unable to enter your room except in emergency situations and until their first negative covid test oh that's right I was talking about my rubbish. Um, I put my rubbish out because it was stinking out my room, and then I got a call saying, put your rubbish back in. You're not allowed to put it out yet. And I was like, wait, why? I've tested, and she was like, your whole group hasn't tested negative for COVID yet. I was like, wait, what do you mean? I've tested negative, though. It's my rubbish. No, 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 no. We need to wait for everyone. I'm like, well, when do you think that's going to happen? She's like, I don't know. I'm like, but my rubbish is stinking my room, and I, where am I meant to put it? And she's like, put it inside. You're not allowed to have it out. And, and the thing is, I can get fined if I don't comply. So I had to put it back in, and then it was another something like 36 hours before I was finally allowed to put my rubbish back out. And my room was has stunk for that period of time. That wasn't very nice at all, and I didn't really understand that. And some people have laughed with me about that because they haven't understood it. Um, we have a telephone in here, which is mainly predominantly used for calls. Um... Oh, and then after all this, they're like, if you have mental health problems, call someone. I'm like, oh, cheers. So, yeah, that's one paper. I have eight more, which I will not go into, but there's all stuff about how to do a COVID test and what I need to do on all the days. Um, I think I have three or four more COVID tests. Uh, you're tested within 48 hours. If you test negative on day 13, you can go home on day 15. Um, I still need to somehow get an exemption to travel some sort of border pass so i've got to try and organize that but god forbid i could test positive on day whatever and then i can't go home because then it's another 14 days uh, i've got more government of south australia stuff about restrictions um oh when i get a covid test i need to shut all my windows and apparently when i get deliveries i also need to shut my windows we i don't understand yeah i, I really really don't get it but anyway because um, I thought the whole point was to keep it nicely ventilated, but apparently not, because I've got to shut everything. Uh, I've got to have a surgical mask if I open my door. Uh, and then it's funny, they always ask me am I double vaccinated, and I'm like, yes, and they always look at me like, there's no way you're double vaccinated. I'm like, well, that's what happens when you live in a country in a location that actually vaccinates its people um, and doesn't have shortages because of an incompetent government in a sense of actually having enough vaccines. So... Let me go through and what else i got to talk about. Oh, I have every day I get a call from the police from downstairs telling me, am I alive? Oh, sorry. It's like, am I alive? That's basically what the call is. The premise of the call is, hi, are you alive? Nice. Bye-bye. It lasts about three seconds. And uh, one, because basically I sleep during the 
afternoon and evening time. Um, one day I was like, okay, they can call me a bit later. I really need to sleep because I was exhausted. I had a busy day with work and stuff. And um, I'd already made no note to that, that I, like to the lobby that I slept at those times. So I put my, and this is what a lot of people actually suggested to me. They said that I should take my um, phone off the hook. This is something I already, I already did do. And uh, so I took my phone off the hook and um, about like two hours later on my front door was huge banging, massive banging on my door. Like someone was trying to break the door down. I was like, what the hell is going on? Is someone trying to break in? And uh, I opened the door and it was like four police dudes. Like, are you Dan? Are you okay? Are you alive? I was like, yeah, I'm okay. I was like, I was like, oh, my phone must have come off the hook. And they're like, okay, put it on. So then the next day I called them. I'm like, can you please call me a little bit earlier? And to their credit, they do do it. But it's very funny. I get the call. Hi. I was like, g'day, mate. This is Jeff down from the South Australian police. Are you, al- are you okay? Yes. All right, bye. Hangs up. Or sometimes it's like, g'day, South Australian police. You all right? Yep. Hangs up. <laughs> I was like, all right, then. Cheers. I appreciate that. In my head, it's like, you know, if something is a problem, I'll call you. If I feel sick, I will call you. Um... But it's always funny when I receive those calls. It's always very, very funny when I receive those calls. Because uh, I'm like, yes, mate, I am alive. Thank you very much. Um, so, yeah, let's see what else is on my list. Like I said, I could read you out all this documentation. There's about 16 pages. In fact, I'm actually missing some. No, there's something like 18 pages of documentation of regulations and information and stuff. I'm not going to lie. I haven't read all through it because I can't be bothered. It is what it is, you know. I think they'll tell me at the time, and I'm not going to sit and read, like, a book of information. Because it, it was stressful enough trying to come home, and I've really just been trying to decompress. Even though I've been working, I've been trying to sort of decompress, and I've been exhausted because the past two months of my life have been so hectic. Um, but, but, yeah, very, very weird. There's all so much information. I'm just going through it now. There's so, so, so much stuff here. Mental health support, COVID tests regulations, lockdowns, um, call numbers, hotlines, regulations when it comes to dropping food and collecting food and food and dietary requirements. And because um, there's no menu, you just get sort of told what you're going to get 20 minutes before if you check the Facebook group. If you don't, it's like a lucky dip. So in the situation of if I sleep, you know, I can wake up and be like, oh no, it's something that, you know, I can't eat. And then I'm like, okay, well now I've got to order my food. So yeah, like I said, we're in day five. All that being said, I'm very grateful that at the very least I'm back in Australia. Even though I didn't want to be here, I am grateful that, you know, my flight didn't get cancelled and all that jazz because that would have been very, very bad. That would have been a pretty bad situation. I'm grateful that I'm able to be back here to save some money and then hopefully go off and continue with my life in the UK. Uh, I like to think this is like a brief intermission, if you will. A brief intermission to my life. A A bit of relaxation time. Knuckle down with work, you know, do a lot many many more videos start new ideas and and sort of i guess just save some money up that's really the main thing and then i want to go back off and study on a positive the course that i really want to do in the uk for the main intake of this year which is not what i'm doing because i'm not going to study next month otherwise i would have stayed in the country i need to come back but the main intake for this this coming like this summer it closed but they didn't fill up all the spots so they were still accepting people which make of it what you will, but I personally see that as an encouraging sign to hopefully maybe I'd get accepted if they can't fill all the spots up. 
So I hope that maybe that, you know, I'm sure I'll jinx myself and I'm sure I'll get rejected, but one can only hope. For those that are curious, it's sports journalism. That is what I want to do. Um, and it's not just sports journalism in a sense of writing. It's also all media. Um, it's just the focus is around sports. So as an example, it doesn't just cover writing and how to do journalism. It covers um, media as in television, radio, all forms of media. Um, it teaches you how to do everything. So, uh, yeah. So I'm very, very excited to hopefully do that. And obviously being in the UK, you're in front of the sports that I absolutely love. As an example, football. Uh, so I'm very, very excited, hopefully, to do that. Very, very excited. And I've spoken to a lot of people that do those courses, and um, it seems very, very fun. And in fact, the assignments are sort of what I already do now for work. So I feel like I'm well-equipped, hopefully, to, to do that. Uh, what else? Well, we're now 45 minutes, and this is sort of the usual time my podcasts are. I hope you enjoyed it. There may be like a second part or a catch-up in a week or two when I'm out of quarantine, and you'll get sort of the stories that have happened since I last did this episode. Uh, there's still one more episode of podcasting I want to do technically from the UK, which is not one that's like my, me being stranded. It's actually one about all my fun that I had. Um, and it was like, it was more of a week in the life, but unfortunately I never got to do it. Uh, I never got to like record that podcast because I was just so busy, but it includes like movie reviews. Like I went to go and see the Suicide Squad I went to go and see that Jungle Cruise. I spent a couple of days watching the cricket. So there's just more fun things that I really desperately wanted to talk about, but I, I didn't have the chance to do, um, which that will hopefully be a podcast. I've got all the notes down. I've got all the notes written down to just record it. But like I said, um, I've been prioritizing what's been going on as of right now more so. So hopefully that will come out soon. Uh, this is the This is the final installment, well... Is it basically? I'd like to say it's the final instalment of the mini series of returning to Australia, uh, even though this is being recorded as the second part because I haven't recorded the Qatar review yet. This is technically the final part of the mini series, and hopefully, now, bar the little update that I'll do in another podcast about how my last sort of week was in hotel quarantine, um, that concludes the very, very annoying and stressful period of trying to get back to Australia. Uh, obviously, I know people don't like this sort of thing. They just want me to talk about the 737 Max for 15 hours, but uh, that's not really what this podcast is for. So if you did enjoy listening, thank you very much to this. This won't be the end of the podcast. There'll still be many, hopefully an episode every single week, and it'll get back to more normality as in what I've been doing, maybe some aviation discussion, maybe like Q&As. There'll just be a, it'll be a lot more relaxed. Uh and then if something major happens, that will get its own dedicated episode. But yeah, thank you very much. If you're new to the, the show, more than welcome to follow it wherever you're listening, whether it's Spotify, Google, Apple, you know, whatever that may be. And if you haven't reviewed the podcast, feel free to drop it a review. Any review is greatly appreciated. And if I see it pop up, I'm, I will happily like give you a shout out at the start of the podcast because that is always greatly appreciated. Um, let me think, is there anything else? No, I'm going to now do a second channel video, so that's for DJ's transport, get that uploaded in an hour, order some food, and just relax a little bit before I go to sleep and start my next day. Thankfully, no COVID test today, so hopefully I can have a nice uninterrupted sleep. Once again, thank you very, very much for listening. I do appreciate all the little people that come over here, the couple of thousand of you, 
um, that listen across all platforms. It's like a little niche, a little corner. It's like, oh, I listen to the podcast. I know this and that. It's something one up over, say, a regular viewer. Uh, Yeah, take care. Please be safe to everyone in lockdown and all that jazz. I will see you probably next week, maybe tentatively. I'm not sure when the next podcast will be. But like I said, just keep up to date on Twitter and stuff and Discord. And I'm sure you'll have a better understanding. But yeah, bye-bye. See you next time. And hopefully you enjoyed listening to my pain of hotel quarantine. Thank you for tuning into another episode of the DJ's Aviation Podcast. If you haven't already, feel free to follow my socials, being that of YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram, all under the DJ's Aviation Branding. If you're interested in seeing my large collection of car, transport, aviation, and natural landscape photography, you can check me out on Flickr. Interested maybe in also joining a Discord community with thousands of members? You can do so with the vanity URL of discord.gg forward slash aviation. We'd certainly love to see you there. Until the next podcast, be safe and take care.